I'm Evan Knappen, and welcome to Gun Lawyer. So, interesting article caught my attention, and what I uh, found really interesting about it is what the article did not say in the headline. But once you read it, it reminded me of something very important that I wanted to share with my listeners, and this is one of the reasons that it can really uh, help you listening to Gun Lawyer, and I want to tell you what it said. So I saw this article, it's in the New York Post, and what it says is the uh, the fire department of New York firefighter busted with assault weapon ghost gun parts in Sting, and it's an article by Susan Edelman. And the headline looks like the typical, uh, you know, uh, narrative and agenda of assault firearms and ghost guns and all that. And it's typical for New York, right? And you'd say, hey, what do you expect? Aha. Until you read into it a little more, and this is the part that I want to share that's really the critical part here. They're claiming that this was all done, at least law enforcement is claiming, this is all done based on on a crackdown on illegal guns flowing into the city, you know, a crackdown. And it was part of a multi-agency firearms trafficking investigation. Get a load of that. Multi-agency firearms trafficking investigation involving, in this case, the Queens District Attorney Office and the state police. All right. So far, it seems like it's a New York thing, right? But here's a paragraph that I found most intriguing, and I'm going to get into more detail on this. A surveillance team tailed Martin to the, quote, Oaks Extravaganza, end quote, gun show at the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center on February 13th, according to a criminal complaint filed by the Queens District Attorney Office. There's the part that needs to grab everybody's attention. Surveillance at the gun show. Surveillance team at the gun show. So it raises the question, well, is this just these guys tailing Martin there and, uh, you know, happened to keep me such a close eye on him and seeing this? And let me tell you something. In my opinion, based on my knowledge of other cases, the answer is no. Because I have other cases that I am aware of where surveillance has been set up at particularly the shows in Pennsylvania and they focus on the polymer 80 sellers and the sellers of firearms where you can make a firearm for yourself which has been legal in America since before the country was uh, a country but now you know, the scary term ghost gun and all that. Ooh, ghosts. And this fight to stop individuals from having their own firearm that they can make just like you can work on your own car, work on your own boat, well, making your own and working on your own gun. You see, that's a problem in some of these areas. And, of course, the laws are different state to state. So here you have a New York guy who is outside the jurisdiction of New York in Pennsylvania. 
And this is now extending to the gun show, the Oaks Gun Show in Pennsylvania. Now, I know a lot of my listeners attend that show, and they come from states all over. And I've had and know of similar cases arising out of New Jersey. Yes, it also has these similar prohibitions and such. And let me tell you, this is, I'm highly, highly skeptical that this is just tailing individual suspects, folks. I'm going to put out there that as gun owners, if you go to a gun show and you have an out-of-state plate, you had better be extra careful because this is the surveillance that I suspect is going on, and that is individuals who make purchases are actually followed to their car and see where they're coming from, and then things happen. So some of the other cases I know of, uh, the stops were based not on any kind of allegation made in this article, for example, uh, that the person was somehow targeted uh, in advance and followed to the show, no, just the opposite. It was the activity at the show with an out-of-state plate that led to that individual having problems. Now, I'm not saying in this particular case, could it have happened that he was a suspect and was followed and tailed and surveilled in another state? Sure, it's possible. But in my position as a gun lawyer, I've seen and know of cases that are more than this that took place based on surveillance, surveillance it shows. And this is not being talked about. Notice the headline of the article is about assault firearms and ghost guns. But I bet if that headline was law enforcement surveils gun shows, it might have a whole different impact, huh? Well, that's the headline that I want you to think about here. And when you have that out-of-state plate and you go to a gun show, you better be very wary about any activities here. Because the fact is, you could buy lawfully these things that are sold in Pennsylvania. It's no problem under Pennsylvania law and federal law. The problem is if you transport it into the prohibited state. Now, if you are not transporting it into the state, but instead, let's say you have a vacation home in Pennsylvania, and even though you have an out-of-state jersey plate, and you go and acquire these things, and then you go to your home in Pennsylvania, that's legal and lawful, but you might be getting surveilled that whole time. You might be. The activities and such that go on. I mean, what are we going to have to do now when we go to gun shows, when we buy even lawful, 100% legal? Do we have to run SDRs, as they call them? You know, when you go, uh, when you're trying to go home, right? Surveillance, uh, detection, etc., so that you can try to avoid. Is that what we have to do now as gun owners? Uh, do we have to somehow come there in a, in a car that has a plate that's local? So we're not subjected to this. I mean, what does it take before our privacy and what we do as gun owners exercising our Second Amendment rights isn't treated like this? I mean, think about it. It's pretty scary stuff, isn't it? 
Be in tail because you went to a gun show in another state. That's what it boils down to. You went to a gun show in another state, and you were now tailed and surveilled and maybe even pulled over, searched, and busted. And this is going on. This is not speculation. This is knowledge I have from even other cases. So you better be very careful and very cautious when attending these shows. And there are various other games that are being played. There are, you know, agent provocateurs at these shows. There's folks where I know of stings in the past where they purposely went to sellers at the shows, private sellers, gun dealers, etc. And they try to set people up to make illegal sales. I represented individuals where there was this attempted stings going after what would otherwise be 100% lawful, but blowing it up into very fine technicalities as to what's legal, what's not, like uh, under Pennsylvania law, what's a bona fide antique firearm and what isn't, and really hair splitting so they could make the busts and arrests. I saw it done over switchblades in Pennsylvania. I represented individuals charged in this, and yet switchblades and automatic knives under Pennsylvania law, they're are ways to be lawful for your possession, even as an exemption, if you possess it as a curio and relic, etc. for a curio. It's in the law, but doesn't stop the stings. You know, you got to be very cautious and smart. If you're a seller and anybody says anything outright that is a prohibited action or conduct, you need to immediately shut that down, folks. I'll give you an example. Like Some of these stings, the way they work, they had two people come up to a table and they would say, uh, hey, how much is uh, this item? You know, and it, Even if it was an automatic knife or switchblade, that would be legal to have as a curio. And then the person blurts out, oh, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a felon, but I want to buy it. Why do they volunteer information like that? Why are they volunteering that they're a felon, but they still want to buy it? Someone says that, you say, have a nice day, goodbye. If you're that stupid to even announce such a thing, sure as hell aren't going to sell anyone anything where they're making it crystal clear that selling a felon a weapon is a violation. So, you know, use common sense on that. Individuals that... Or they say, hey, I'm a felon, I can't buy it, but my friend here will buy it for me. And they're stating this right then and there. That's a straw sale. And they're just setting people up. you got to recognize the signs. you got to see that this is a behavior that is common in law enforcement in the attack of, of our Second Amendment rights, where the agenda and the narrative is so important to trying to make something out of the gun laws and how effective they are and how what a great job they're doing in stopping crime and all that. You know, you know the, uh, the lines of BS that they put out there? Well, this is how they back it up. They back it up by setting up individuals, surveilling individuals, 
getting these uh, arrests and convictions and headlines. And so the public, the general public, gets fooled. Because the real criminals, the people committing actual offenses, oh, well, that takes real work. They're hard to catch and prosecute. You know, but dumb law-abiding citizens that get lured into these traps and suckered. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's good stuff. And that gets these cheap headlines and gets the job done. Gets the job done so they can use it to keep exploiting these laws that they passed to take away and destroy our Second Amendment rights. So you need to be smarter than that. And you need to recognize that this isn't being paranoid. This is being smart. And that these things really happen. Next up, listener questions. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I am a lawyer. I am a lawyer. I've got some interesting letters from our listeners, and I love to share these questions. They're very interesting. And uh, this is um, this one is from uh, William, and William says... Uh, regarding the 1968 gun control law and unserialized rifles. Evan, as a New Jersey resident, I learned of the specifics of New Jersey's ghost gun law. I own a Remington 513T 22 target rifle and a J.C. Higgins 22 that were both bought by me in the early 60s. Neither rifle has serial number. I regularly take these rifles to local range. Could I be in trouble by possessing these rifles? Your shows are great. Regards, Williams. Well, thank you, William, for the uh, letter and for your compliments. I really appreciate it. And, you know, you've got a very important question here. You see, when New Jersey's so-called ghost gun laws were passed, they, uh, they didn't consider that there are many firearms that do not have and did not have serial numbers, even though they were factory-made firearms. And prior to... Uh, 68, when they were required to be serial numbered, 22s, shotguns, etc., many d- 
did not have serial numbers at all. And you can go into gun shops today and find uh, uh, guns that have no serial numbers. And what it'll say on the tag when it says for serial number, it will say NSN, no serial number. And that's how dealers book guns with no serial numbers. But in the states that require the serial numbered guns and actually criminalize possession of unserialized guns, these guns can, in fact, be arguably a problem because the ghost gun law in New Jersey is so poorly written and it is definitely a risk even for older guns that have no serial number. Now, I understand uh, that they're legitimate and they were made uh, by manufacturers that the state views as legitimate. I think any firearms uh, legitimate, but these are the ones that they want, you know, for some reason, only guns made by a major manufacturer is somehow something that individuals should only have. Uh, why is that? Why can't individuals have their own guns as traditionally we've been able to have, uh, like I said, since before the country was even a country? But New Jersey and New York and others are seeing differently, and they've passed these laws. So unfortunately, you've got to be careful with any unserialized uh, gun in New Jersey. Uh, if um, these things come into possession of the state by whatever means, uh, they will look to um, prosecute. Uh, would be surprised. Uh, we don't have any case law testing this, but the best would be a test case of an unserialized gun that was made by a major manufacturer, given how New Jersey's law is written. So uh, I'm sure, William, you don't want to be the test case because uh, that's no fun. But down the road, I'm sure these things will be tested and we'll see how the law can withstand uh, logic, you know, and arguments like that, even though uh, I think they banned logic. What was it, in 1979? I think that's when it was banned. But uh, we'll still try to use it and show the problems. So be careful, beware. Uh, these ghost gun laws, remember, they pass these laws, they give a scary name to it. And they make it as broad and as sweeping and as inclusive as they can so they can grab every gun they can possibly grab. So these are the laws written. I've got another letter here, and this is a podcast question. It says, hi, Evan. I've listened to every podcast episode since you started. I'm also a Law Shield member as well, and I really enjoyed seeing you speak there. Well, thank you, Gary. I think it would be a great topic to discuss on your podcast as well as being a gun enthusiast, I'm also a motorcycle enthusiast. My question is, I have a Swiss military motorcycle. It comes with a rifle rack mount, ambidextrous on either side. Well, that's pretty cool, and it's ambidextrous. You know, I'd give my right arm to be ambidextrous, but anyway. Uh, I can carry my rifle to the range uncased the way the manufacturer intended. Can I? He's asking, can I do that? A gun case will not fit on the mount. A motorcycle is, and it's a Condor A350cc, and is legally registered, picture attached. It's a cool bike, man, very cool, really love it. So as a motorcyclist, I do go to the gun range every now and then, and I carry my handguns on my modern motorcycle via what's called a tail bag box. It also locks. My handguns are unloaded and cased. And the ammo is cased and locked. Any pitfalls for motorcyclists doing this? 
I display my condor at car motorcycle shows, and I have yet to display it with just a wooden gun stock, as you see pictured, in fear of breaking some kind of law for just carrying what is essentially a block of wood. Thanks. And that's uh, here. It says um, he actually signed it by a name, and I guess I can feel free to use this name that he signed it under because it's a pseudonym, but I really dig his pseudonym. The pseudonym is Harvey Mushman. Now, he even said Harvey Mushman is a pseudonym for, that's what Steve McQueen used when to enter the motorcycle and car races. Isn't that cool? I like that. And uh, when I used to write motorcycle articles, and he asked me, please do not use his real name, so I won't, because I like Harvey Mushman. That's cool. And Steve McQueen was the king of cool, right? He was the cooler king. But anyway, let's talk about these motorcycle questions, because it's good stuff. So even though we're talking Jersey, it's interesting to understand Jersey laws and their impact and how they're written. Even if you're not from New Jersey, you got to understand it because this stuff's coming to a state near you. And understanding it can help you to fight it when it rears its ugly head. So one question is here. The first one is, can he mount his rifle on his rack on his motorcycle? His really cool Swiss bike. Can he do that? And the answer technically is if you have a firearms ID card in New Jersey, the firearms ID card law says that you cannot possess a rifle or shotgun unless you first have obtained a firearm purchaser ID card. And the second part says you can't have it loaded unless otherwise allowed by law. So the bottom line as far as that possessory statute is concerned, believe it or not, is if you have an unloaded rifle or shotgun and you have a firearms ID card, you're illegal in New Jersey. So technically, under that law, if you put an unloaded rifle or shotgun on your motorcycle or on a rack in your pickup truck, and it's unloaded rifle or shotgun, you have a firearms ID card, then technically under that law, you're exempt and you're illegal because the case unloaded, all that stuff, that, that's part of the exemption. And you don't need to go to the exemption because you have the firearms ID card. Now, let me just say, though, if you put a rifle or shotgun on your motorcycle or on your, in your car rack, you're, you're going to be stopped and you're going to be arrested. Okay, now eventually down the road, I'm confident we're going to win. But uh, the problem is that is not viewed as uh, acceptable behavior today, even though it is technically legal under the law. And it was something that was routinely done in the past. You know, when we used to really be free, you know, those days, yeah, you could do that. So the thing is, just riding around with an uncased long arm on your Swiss motorcycle probably isn't a good idea, even though I know I could successfully defend you. Now, there is also a fish and game law that's not as serious as the criminal prohibition that does talk about guns being cased or in the locked in the trunk and it's fishing game and it's uh, not felony level stuff but still you don't want any violation of course and uh, here the firearm law in Jersey would be a third degree and it would carry up to five years in state's prison 
So even though that's legal, it's not a good idea. However, what I could suggest is when you're doing the display, if we just jump to the third question, and we'll talk about the second one in between, about displaying the motorcycle with the firearm, since your ID card does cover it, arguably you might be able to get away with that as a display, but that could also kick in the New Jersey law for gun shows or displays because now you're displaying it and it's not officially a gun show, but your possession could be legal. But one of the things that might really be the way around it is they actually do make some fantastic replica firearms. And I mean bona fide replicas. I'm looking at some replicas that I hang in my office, an M1 Grand, etc. a nice lever action. And they're replicas, non-firing. They look really good, but they're not firearms. So the absolute safest thing to do in Jersey would be to display it with a replica firearm that's non-firing and not an actual gun. Now, New Jersey does have a law regarding imitation firearm, and it's very weirdly worded, and it has to do if someone believes you're going to use it improperly. But essentially, you know, that's like uh, uh, Dillinger when he made a bar of soap look like a gun and was able to escape. So that type of imitation firearm is prohibited. By the way, I saw his original gun. He was a master. Man, that gun, that bar of soap would have fooled me. That uh, Absolutely. Especially if Dillinger's pointing it at you, you would have no reason to doubt that it's a gun, even though it's a bar of soap with uh, shoe polish. So imitation firearm, yeah, there kind of is that prohib. But if you're doing it in... A matter of a display in this way at a show and it's a replica and it's not a real gun at all i think you're fine with that so what about transport to the gun range and he said particularly on handguns well new jersey's transport law on handguns requires everyone unless you have a carry permit which less than 600 people have you're gonna have to stick within exemptions. And what are the exemptions? Well, the exemptions require that, first of all, your handguns be unloaded, okay? And that means nothing in the chamber and nothing in the cylinder. And I also say nothing in the magazines, okay? Be extra safe. Uh, Unload everything. And then the gun has to either be in a closed and fastened case or in a wrapper, or in a gun box, or locked in the trunk. And since you don't have a trunk on your motorcycle, you're stuck with the exemptions regarding closed and fastened case. So if you're going to transport by exemption your handguns, you can do so on a motorcycle, but make sure that the handguns are in a closed and fastened case and are unloaded. In other words, you need to conform with subsection G of NJS 2C 39-6. That's the exemption at subsection G and is the mode of transport. And that is the lawful way to take your motorcycle on a nice state of the range with your guns to do some target shooting. This is Evan Knappen telling you the L2AL and reminding you that Gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens.
Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.